Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Freewheeling Podcast. We are here. We've arrived at 2021. May it be fractionally better than 2020. But let's not hold our breaths. Tiptoe slowly into the year and nobody touch anything. No sudden movements. Anyway, welcome back. I am solo on freewheeling just for this intro because I wanted to talk to you all about a new project that I've been working on over the holidays. It is within the freewheeling bubble, but is going to be with both men and women. And I'm really, really excited about it. Basically, I'm going to start doing a series of episodes that are called Growing Up In and The idea came from chatting with a friend of mine who is currently racing in the professional peloton. I asked her what everyone talked about when they sit down for dinner at the end of a stage of the Giro or when they're all together at team camp and stuff like that. Um, um, So we were talking about what do the girls actually talk about that they get really, really excited about talking about. And the answer wasn't racing or the the tour of Flanders or whatever bikes they're riding or stuff like bike related. It was their mom's cooking and the town that they grew up in and their Christmas traditions and stuff that really makes them connect as human beings. Because the the rider that I was talking to is on a team that has a ton of different nationalities. There's a bunch of different languages on the team. And so for them to really connect with each other, they have to find some common ground besides cycling. So a trap that I fell into when I was racing and Lauren did as well, and we've been very vocal about it on the podcast, is being sucked into the identity of being only a cyclist. And I think that for talking to these riders and talking to people in cycling, I, I would really love for people to also see the the thing the, the things that make these women and also men and just riders in general, the things that make them cool human beings and human beings worth being interested in for more than just cycling, you know, what other sports did they grow up doing? What was like Sunday nights like at home when they were growing up, you know, um, stuff like that. So this will be the very first episode of Growing Up In, which will be part of freewheeling, basically just randomly throughout the year on the freewheeling feed. I'll drop in a growing up in episode for you all. And this first one is really exciting. It's with a rider that I have always loved to follow. I remember the very, very first time that I ever was in a race with her and I looked over and she was there and I had like a minor anxiety attack about how excited I was that I was in the middle of this race with her. So the first episode is with Amelia Fallen, who grew up in Sweden. She currently rides for FDJ Nouvella Aquitaine Futuroscope and will do so through next year. She's been on teams like Team Columbia, HTC High Road, Team Specialized Lululemon, Wiggle Honda, Ali Cipollini. So she's been on a ton of the top teams in the sport and she's been racing for a really long time since she turned pro in 2007. So she's been in the sport for a long time, but she's only 32. She's still in the prime of her career and she had a really bad concussion 
recently is coming back last year. She was coming back from this concussion and, uh, looking forward to seeing what she can do in 2020. But apart from that, we had a really awesome conversation about Christmas in Sweden and Christmas traditions and everything. So I really hope that you all enjoy this episode of growing up in with Amelia Fallon. I am here today with Amelia Fallon. Fallon? 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 Fallon in Swedish. <laughs> and you're from Sweden. So where in Sweden are you from? Yes, I'm from a town called Örebro. It's like the O with the two dots. That's very Swedish. Uh, it's uh, making it difficult for people. And uh, it's sort of in the middle of the country and uh, between Stockholm and Gothenburg, central Sweden, but quite south if you look on the map because Sweden is apparently very long country so where people live is central but if you look on the map it's still south yeah and right now as we're recording this it's I don't know a week to Christmas which in Sweden I imagine it's pretty dark at this time of the year Yes, you see, this is um, what you have to face when you are staying a long time in Sweden is the darkness in the winter. And although, on the other hand, in the summer, we have so much daylight. But yeah, it can get the sun comes up at like uh, eight, eight o'clock, nine o'clock. So and going down at like two thirty, three o'clock where I'm from. So it's really short days. And I remember when I was going to school, I was, uh, you leave home in the dark and you finish school and it's dark and you hardly see daylight. And this is a, a challenge in the winter time being a Swede. So I, um, you have, you have to go out when you can. <laughs> yeah. I bet the weekends, like, when you were a kid, when you wouldn't have school, going out on the weekends was just a must. Yes, like uh, actually getting out and hoping that it was um, you could see the sky uh, because it's not always very good weather in the winter either. So like that is something else than gray. But um, no, I, uh, I it's some nice days and especially like around Christmas and uh, further on when the snow comes, it can be really bright still. And uh, But yeah, you're, you're sort of dependent on the weather a little bit for outside activities and stuff. And uh, you need to sometimes uh, force yourself to go out for catch the daylight. Yeah. What was, what was, just because we're recording this like close to Christmas time, what was Christmas like growing up? Like what were the holidays like? What were, was, did you celebrate something kind of like Christmas or was there a winter solstice? What, what was the big winter yeah, I, I always loved Christmas. Um, some people don't, but I've always been a Christmas fan and uh, I love getting the decorations up and, you know, just the Christmas songs. And this is something like going away when I was older and training camps and like out starting to travel. It's something familiar wherever I come to have this, see the decorations and the Christmas songs, one Christmas I spent before in America on training camp, but it's the familiar thing. And I really like this before Christmas. So getting the decorations up and we start early in Sweden. So um, I would say four weeks out, we have this uh, every Sunday is the advent and we would 
drink the glug, the warm wine with the uh, almonds and raisins in it. And you bake like specific, um, a lot of saffron bread and the gingerbreads we have a lot of. So you do sort of build up to Christmas for a month quite intensely. And then, um, then yeah, you have the school holidays, um, some days before Christmas actually, and then over New Year's and a couple of weeks. So I love skiing and the outdoors. So fitting all of this into the Christmas holidays is, um, is the things I really like to do. Mm. Just because I, I'm from a Nordic skiing background and the Swedes are uh, really good. <laughs> so I have to ask like from a personal perspective, were you into Nordic skiing at all growing up? Yes. This is a hands-down favorite sport to watch on TV. So when I'm trying, I watch it on TV, I follow it and I love doing it. But being a professional cyclist the last years, the snow tends to come later where I live in Sweden. So now it's like January, February, it's the skiable snow. And by then I've always had to get back on the bike a little bit more. But when I was younger, the, the winters came a little bit earlier and, um, I always got out on the skis and uh, I'm not a really good skier. I can get, I can get by, I can get forward, but it's about that. But I love the, I love the day out and uh, yeah, skiing for sure. When I was young, my parents always uh, on the weekends, like I said, on the weekends, you got out and uh, I didn't love it. Maybe when I was uh, really young and you know, like before the good wax and you always like, you slid backwards and you were not loving it as a child but you know it grew on me and having like role models from watching the um, the skiing on the television I remember like when I struggled the most I always um, pretended I was one of the the first girls I saw I'm like I'm gonna be her I'm gonna be her and that's um, that's sort of where my competitive side came in with um with the love for sport and I love cross-country skiing yeah is there are there any other sports that you really really enjoyed watching growing up biathlon is another one it's also the popular winter sport in sweden and i would follow that uh, closely and um then downhill skiing i really like to watch so that's probably my winter sport favorites and then at the olympics i always tend to watch the the crazy slope styles and snowboarding and i wish i was that person who dared to do this because I, it looks so, so sick. And then I got a whole bunch of summer sports that I do love to watch as well. So um, it get me, gets me motivated for, for doing my job. Yeah. As far as summer goes, what are the big summer holidays in Sweden? Yeah, so we have like the summer break um, from like uh, mid-June till mid-August. So we got a little bit earlier summer break than some countries down south and um, midsummer, hands down the best Swedish tradition is midsummer and uh, it's like um, the last weekend of June. Um, it changes in date sometimes depending on the calendar and it's like uh, the middle of the summer they say and uh, it's a big party. It's like the biggest festive day in Sweden and people celebrate it like there's no tomorrow and there's a lot of traditions going into that one as well where one is like building a pole of um, 
a, a pole with like decorated with leaves and flowers and you're gonna dance around it eventually and you eat the herring and you drink the, um, the snaps and um, yeah it's, it's a whole whole day full of uh, of traditions that's followed in a precise um, precise schedule and uh, I think this is our most um, our most festive day in the year being a Swede. Mm-hmm. Do you have like traditional outfits that you wear also? Yes, we do. Like in the um, a little bit more north, they have like the proper um, typical Sweden uh, outfits for this. But I think this is a little bit more north and um, it's sort of fading a little bit now. But yeah, you could take it really the next level and go fully uh, outfitted as well. When you were growing up, what other things did you do for fun other than sports? Yeah, what did we do? Yeah, we're just out playing and like building things out in the um, playgrounds. And like, yeah, I remember just actually playing different sports and um, just finding ways to to play outside and uh, I, I've been quite active. I did gymnastics when I grew up for quite a long time until I was uh, 16. And um, yeah, sort of been juggling sports and then enjoying time with friends and stuff like this. But a lot of things being outside and um, yeah, in the winter when you when it's too cold to be outside for a long period of time, you you sort of get cozy inside and we have a lot of like cozy times lighting candles and uh and indoor activities um so um yeah a a lot of different small things and um a lot of drinking warm drinks (laughs) (laughs) um what what was your favorite food as a kid I was quite picky when I was younger with food. Uh, this is something when I, I think almost I can see when I turn 18 and started traveling much more for, for cycling now, mm-hmm. I really changed and I opened my mind and now I love international food. But now when I was younger, I think I ate just the basic foods. So the typical Swedish things like meatballs or Salmon, we have a lot in Sweden and the potatoes. So I think I ate the quite basic, specific Sweden food, but I wasn't so open-minded for trying. And that's something that really by traveling has um, the biggest change for myself. Mm. So how did cycling fit into into your your youth? Was there some kind of system in the town you grew up in where there was kids cycling or how did you get into it yeah you see it's it's true family if you like go into the story it's because i have an older brother who's done cycling i did i don't remember anything from it like i didn't grow up seeing cycling so it was my dad then who liked taking him to the races and really kept the cycling passion when he stopped but my dad never cycled himself my mom didn't either it was my older brother who did for a stint and then um, my dad thought oh, it would be so nice to go back to bike races again and be there and like support and do a bit uh, mechanic and uh, he really enjoyed and so he started like um, asking me if I didn't want to try, do you not want to try it? And eventually after hearing this, I always said no to start with. It didn't, it didn't click with me straight away because I had gymnastics that I, I really liked. And uh, after I think half a year or a year, eventually I said one day, 
okay, I'll give it a try. I'll go to a club training. And uh, he organized the bike through my local club to, um, they had testing bikes. So I was quite fortunate in my, um, my hometown. They have a local club that when I was younger was quite big um, in terms of where it is now. But um, they had some young people doing it and they had the the bikes to borrow in case you wanted to try and that sort of made it easier for me to to test it one time and and borrow the bike for a month and actually um yeah to test what is this sport because um otherwise it's difficult to get all the equipment and stuff so i was lucky that uh, i had a club at home that uh, could could give me this when there was uh, kids interested for try they had uh, a few bikes they could borrow how did gymnastics help with your with your cycling? Was there any tie-in between the two? Yes, people always ask me this because, to be honest, uh, the first I started cycling when I was eleven. I tried it the first time, and uh, I I kept competing, and I did the boat sports until I was sixteen, and I think I did mostly like the gymnastics trainings. And I like the cycling races. So that was sort of my schedule. I, um, I went to the gymnastic trainings and I raced uh, my bike on the weekends. And people, when it started to go well after a year or two in cycling and I started to do okay results. And uh, how can you actually combine this? Where does, how can cycling be good? Uh, how can you be good at um, cycling when you do gymnastics? People couldn't really understand that they complemented each other in some way. And I think just keeping it fun for myself and being active helped just in general. And with gymnastics, you just build so much uh, small muscle strength. And I think from there, I got a bit of um, the explosiveness that I, um, that I could use in the sprints in the bike races eventually. And um, yeah, you got a little bit of the condition training in the warm-ups and you need to have a little bit of endurance for gymnastics as well, but it's a little bit more explosive. And I think I could, um, at that age, I could uh, benefit from the both of them and they could complement each other better than you um, could guess, actually, seeing how different they actually are. <laughs> yeah, because there's, there's a ton of crossover from Nordic mm. skiing and Alpine skiing to mm. cycling. Um, I mean, especially, I think, on the American side, but there's still, you know, like a couple Brits and whatnot, but gymnastics and cycling is not something that you see a ton of across no and to be honest i've always i'm quite tall i'm 176 centimeters so i was always a little bit too tall to be a really good gymnast but i i just loved it you know and uh for this i was never gonna be the best gymnast but that didn't really matter i just really enjoyed it and that's i think why eventually at like 16 i had an injury i broke my um my ankle in gymnastics and that sort of made me not try to come back again because I found the passion for cycling and that was the natural switch then um, to focus more on cycling. So um, yeah, but I, I love the boat. I love boats and I still love to watch gymnastics. I actually went to watch it uh, in, in London after the Olympics. That's the fi- I went to see the final of the women's artistic gymnastics and this is one of my best memories I have. Mm. Oh, that's super cool. Did you get to meet any of the of the gymnasts there that you maybe were fans of and get a little starstruck? 
No, I didn't get to see anyone like really close up. I just saw them yeah, in the arena. But I remember being young, I ran around at the big gymnastic competitions when they came to my city and took the autographs. I, I still have the, um, the books and, you know, I printed things on the walls and I, I made handmade uh, papers and like when you were a kid you were creative and this is what i did inside in the winter put a lot of effort in creating like my own fan cards and uh, stuff like this recording yeah the movies about gymnastics and stuff like this so i was um doing is a lot of stuff like this but i never really got to see my my big idols really close up but um yeah i um yeah, that's something um, I still follow gymnastics and um, that would be cool to meet some of the best one day. <laughs> so one more question about Sweden. When you're on the road for cycling and you don't get to be home very often, are there any Swedish traditions or kind of cultural mannerisms that you notice that you do that your teammates don't do that you could tie back to being being from Sweden? Yes, I would say it's, it's so funny traveling with cycling. You see so many um, stereotypical things from the different nationalities. And uh, I think, yeah, being a, a, a Swedish person, I think we are sometimes, if I should try and see it reflective. So it's, um, I'm quite um, organized and precise and in the time planning and stuff like this. And quite polite we we don't like to be too much confronted but you still want to have it in the good like i can see the small the small personality ways that i think is so typical swedish and um not every swedish are like that but i can see the the general cultural way where i can notice a difference from some of my other um uh, nationalities of teammates that I've had and worked with for a long time and uh, it's uh, interesting that um, now having some Scandinavians on the team here this year it's um, we're quite similar in many ways and you can see we're coming from the same part of the world and um, yeah compared to some of the, um, the French uh, that we work with now and they have their own ways and it's you need to find the balance and, and learn this and uh, it's cool to, to take some influences from the other cultures. All right, that was the first of my Growing Up In episodes. Again, these will be shorter than the usual episodes because it's more of a snapshot of the person that I'm talking to and getting to know kind of more of their background and less of them as cyclists, although cycling kind of slid its way into the conversation as it is would do because it's you know, why we're all here. And I mean, cycling is very much a lifestyle and not so much a sport um, for anyone who's ever touched a bike. They know that to be true. And yeah, I'm really, really excited about this series. I think that it could be really fun. There's a lot of people that I know that are from crazy places that aren't, aren't even necessarily professional cyclists that just ride their bikes or are in the cycling industry and have amazing stories about growing up. So. I'm really, really excited to bring those characters into the podcast sphere and have you get to know them. And there's no schedule for these episodes. I'll just drop them kind of when I feel like it. Um, 
during the regular freewheeling feed. So every two weeks or so, um, if racing is light or there's not a ton for Lauren and I to discuss, but as of now, this is the first episode and I really hope you enjoyed it. They can be a little bit longer than this. Amelia and I definitely could have kept talking for a lot longer, but yeah, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Before I go, I just want to say thank you so much to all of the new listeners. It's been insane and I just care so much about this podcast and and this podcast, it means so much to me and to Cycling Tips. So thank you all for the support. It really means the world to me and uh, to all of the new Velo Club members that subscribed because of this podcast or because of what Cycling Tips is doing. Cycling Tips is such an incredible outlet and everyone who works for CT is doing just such amazing work on on such a broad, broad range of things from shoddy's videos to at literally any time Ian Trelor sits down to write anything at all and all of the news that Dane does I mean everything that we do at Cycling Tips there's so much passion that goes into every single thing and the Velo Club members are really what makes it possible so Thank you so much to anyone who signed up for Velo Club over the holidays. We will be back in two weeks with Lauren for something. I don't know. Who knows what can happen in the next two weeks. Maybe there's racing. Maybe there's not. We will see. Yes, that's it. That's all I've got. Thank you. Thank you.